0: Every business eventually had a website and eventually had a social media and eventually an app. And you know, yeah. Why, why do these things happen? Demand. We shouldn't give up control of the last thing that we have control of, which is finance.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Najahi Events, Arabian Business, and Smartcast. More about them later. We have been diving into crypto in many different ways over the course of the last few months. Some of the guests that are coming up are founders of crypto platforms. We've had crypto traders, crypto investors. We've had crypto commentators. And today's episode is still along those lines. Nick Saperano is the co-founder and CEO of the Divi Wallet, which is a new platform that's been put together to keep crypto simple. And we all need that don't we right now in a world where this is very very confusing one of the key highlights from this episode is the fact that nick's going to talk to us about his recent partnership with la liga which is one of the biggest football platforms in the world so without me going into too much detail i'm going to let him explain what he's doing how he's doing it and how he can bring benefit to us in a simplified format let's cue the music Now you might wonder what food security is but let me explain to you the world we live in right now has a population that keeps expanding if it keeps expanding there's more bellies that have to be fed because they're going to be fed we need more crops to grow and if we don't have enough farmland to grow that crop we're going to have a problem food security is the issue and smart cars are at the forefront of food security making sure by using smart tech Agritech and intelligent farming technologies that they can make sure that we will always have enough food to supply ourselves, our families, and our loved ones. Go check out Smartcast Tech on Instagram and follow their story because for me it's fascinating and I'm delighted to be able to be working with them. Arabian Business is the leading source of business news and analysis, and I, for one, get my information from there when I'm doing my research on the podcast for guests, but also knowing what's going on in the region so that I can keep my finger on the pulse. And if you want a 25% discount on the subscription, then go to arabianbusiness.com with the discount code ABEXEC, that's A-B-E-X-E-C. Do it right now, get that discount, and guess what? You can get access to all the information that I do and keep your finger on the pulse of all business news here in the region. If you haven't heard of Najahi events, then I want you to go take a look at them, N-A-J-A-H-I. It's Arabic for my success. Now, as a business, they bring people like Tony Robbins, Alicia Keys, Nick Vujicic into the region to inspire and motivate us. A lot of the stuff they do at the moment though is teaching people how to use cryptocurrency. And again, it's a subject we're all interested in, so go check them out. Okay, so Nick, thank you so much for coming to join us on the show today. It's my pleasure, thank you for having me. We're gonna talk about crypto today and everything that you're doing in the crypto space, but in your time that you've been here, do you think people get it here more than they do in most places, or do you think they're picking it up much quicker? What was your interpretation? I think because Dubai is you know, the city of the future and everybody is looking to be
0: at the forefront of the next big thing, people are at least more receptive to crypto. Of course, there's a lot of crypto millionaires and billionaires here that are establishing companies and doing things, uh, building new projects and what have you. Um, but I think even those that are unfamiliar with crypto or just getting into it are even more receptive to what it is and what it can become versus other places. Like we were in Spain uh, in November and they're just getting started with crypto. They're still a little bit averse to it. They think that, you know, they, they still kind of have that old mantra of like, is it for money laundering? Is it a scam? And so. So this place is like just fully on embracing it and, and trying to make the most out of it, even establishing new guidance and laws that make it easier for people like us to, to come
1: and build businesses. Mm, that's really positive. Now, for the people that are listening and watching right now, who the hell are you? <laughs> Tell us a bit about your background so we can get a flavor of the kind of person you are, where you came from, and how you got into this space. Absolutely.
0: I, Like I said, I'm a kid who grew up on the East Coast, was always into technology. I'm a single, only kid, only child. Um, I started a computer business in like 2013, and we started building Bitcoin miners for people. This was my first introduction to Bitcoin. I didn't really understand what it was or know what it was. Did build a Bitcoin miner and mined a few Bitcoin. I think the block reward was 24 at that that time, and I sure do wish I could find that (laughs) hard drive, but um, I kind of moved on from that and didn't really consider what it was until 2015 when a friend introduced me to Ethereum. And uh, over the two years span from the computer business to that moment, I was building technology. So I was learning how to build apps, software, uh, websites, things like that. Um, and so when I was introduced to Ethereum, I was like, okay, this is to me more so adherent to what I felt crypto could become, you know, a, a virtual machine, a, an ecosystem where applications can be built in a decentralized way. Um, so I bought some Ethereum. It's actually a funny story. I, I met a kid at a mall, this kid uh, who I met through a mutual friend. And he's like, yeah, just bring cash. I'll show you how it all works. <laughs> so I give him the cash. He sends me some, he pulls out this honker of a computer, sends me some, uh, some some Bitcoin. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go buy Ethereum with it. And he's like, oh, that's crap. Like, don't, don't buy that. Uh, and I've, I ignored him, thankfully. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've lived through a lot of the of the ups and downs of crypto. The first Dow hack, the first big, I guess not the first big hack of the exchange, I wasn't around for Mt. Gox, but you know, Cryptopia and some of the other big ones that, that went down, uh, crypto winter and things like that. But it wasn't until 2017 uh, when I was coming out of school and um, I had gone back to get certified as a web developer. Um, and I just got a freelance gig with this company called Divi. And they had just started, they needed a website. A friend of mine got me into the gig and he said, uh, yeah, I know you've been investing in this stuff. Like, do you want to help us out? This was 2017, I guess. And um, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Helped contribute to their white paper, and they offered me a co-founder position. And I became the lead developer. Eventually became the, the CIO. And uh, eight months ago, I was appointed CEO.
1: And how old are you now? 29. 29. <laughs> It's ridiculous, isn't it? You were sitting there, almost as a kid, doing yeah. stuff, and you were coming out the back. So I'm, I'm 52 this year. So I hate you, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that, that journey. Let's dig into that then. Let's, let, let's probably learn what Divi is, how it works, and, and again, for the benefit of everyone listening, let's keep it really simple to start with, and then I'll maybe I'll dig a bit deeper. I love this because Divi is made to be simple, right? The whole philosophy.
0: Uh, from the day that we started the, the business or the, the project was based around making crypto accessible and easy to use for anyone to pick up. Not, tech, not just the tech savvy people, uh, not just the people who are sophisticated investors, but anyone, your grandmother, someone in sub-Saharan Africa, anyone. Um, so the first thing we did was make it really easy to earn cryptocurrency through our wallet and uh, we actually have a patent pending on this solution that allows you just to click a button as long as you have Divi in your wallet and start earning coins Um, and that became really popular in 2017 and 2018 and um, it's built a really strong community around our coin um, and ultimately built a really strong community around the products that we brought to market okay so Divi is a coin it's a coin it's a blockchain Um, and it's becoming an ecosystem.
1: Now, when I go to your website, it says that you're essentially revolutionizing and changing the way we see financial services from a retail perspective yeah okay well i'm an old school financial services guy you know (laughs) i understand the stock markets and mutual funds and i understand in the states you have your 401ks and your iras and i understand fiat currency and so i understand old school very normalized financial services and people still to this day feel very comfortable buying and selling equities you know whether that be equities commodities currencies and stuff because they they feel they they understand it Mm what can you do to, with what you do to help people move into the crypto space, kind of, I would almost say seamlessly or painlessly, because it seems to be at the moment, there's the people that are adopting it, that have gone, this technology is phenomenal. Then you've got the people that have got FOMO, okay. that's <laughs> just, <I'll> hold <laughs> in a minute, how much did he make last year? <laughs> because, you know, because everyone wants to get rich quick. And then you've got those people that are sitting there going, hmm. I'm not sure whether this is all a bit of a scam, fueled by people like Peter Schiff right. Okay, in the States. going if you've got Bitcoin right now, sell it fast because it's not worth anything in real terms. And yeah. So tell me about that. So I think there's, there's a lot of
0: misnomers in, in crypto. Even Peter Schiff accepts Bitcoin on his website. So he's obviously... <laughs>
1: Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, go check out Peter Schiff. <laughs> you know, he predicted the stock market crashing back in 2007, he said it was going to crash and he made a load of money off the back of that, didn't yeah. he? Because people are like, ah, he's the guru. Yeah. Okay. He's a genius, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so now he's, he's, he's banging out on social media, don't buy Bitcoin, if you've got Bitcoin, sell it. Yet yeah, he accepts it on his website. Yeah, he accepts it. And of course, when
0: yeah, asked, pick. he'll say, oh, you know, it's a... Uh, it's just, uh, if anybody wants to pay in that crap, you know, I'll, I'll accept it and I quickly turn it into US dollars. It's like, oh, so you, you can turn it into US dollars. It is valuable in, uh, in a fungible way to, uh, <laughs> to the currency that you want. Um, it's his narrative, you know? And it's, it's look at Jamie Dimon, right? He's uh, the most wealthy banker on earth, I guess. Uh, JP, well, at least the most wealthy known, known banker. <laughs> um, you know, speaks out against Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies constantly. Meanwhile, JP Morgan develops a bunch of cryptocurrency solutions and blockchain solutions uh, and starts selling crypto to their clients. Watch what they do, not what they say. Now, how do we make it easy for people to make that transition? Outside of all of the misnomers and and propaganda and competing agendas and narratives and things like that, it's really important, at least for us, to create uh, a familiarized ecosystem that not only makes it simple and and, and something that you can understand right off the bat. So like if you download our wallet, for example, you're setting up a username, you're setting up an avatar, you're not being bombarded with jargon, it feels like you're just setting up your Venmo or your PayPal, Mm -hmm. right? Then once you're in, we start teaching you about certain things like seed phrases and security and backing up and things like that. Um, But there's also this element of fragmentation, right? The value chain of finance right now, even still to this day, is heavily fragmented you have your bank account, and you have these different ways of transferring money, you have your stock or equities accounts, you have your crypto exchange, you have all these wallets, you have all these coins, it becomes really, really overwhelming and confusing. So if we can bring all of that into one place, push the complexity to the background, because none of it really needs to be apparent to the user. The user just wants the outcome they want, Yeah. right? So you just give them what they need. If you want to swap your Bitcoin for US dollars, you can do that at the click of a button in the wallet, right? If you want to store your NFTs, fine. Just you know, it's a wallet's not even the right name for this uh, d- this technology anymore. Wallet really, to me, like the nomenclature is uh, is antiquated already because it's not just about storing money anymore. It's about accessing this whole real universe of finance. Um, so we want to bring all of that into one place, mm-hmm. and. Uh, eliminate a lot of the friction that is caused by both the fragmentation and the over, over complexity that most of okay. these apps have. That's
1: really interesting you say that. So let's take that into and break that down. Just use me as the example. Sure. Okay. So I've got my stock account. I've got a eToro account, yeah. which I know doesn't hold actual coin. Yeah. Um, I've got my Binance account. Okay. And I know that most people that open a Binance account haven't got a clue what's going on on the screen because it's too confusing for them. Um, I've got my MetaMask wallet. I've got my crypto.com um, account. And so I've got, uh, oh, I've got a, fund, a fund platform as well, where I've got mutual funds just on a platform too. So I've got a whole bunch of different stuff, okay? Fiat and non-fiat type investments. And it is confusing, you yeah. know? And it is, to some degree, someone who's been in financial services for 30 years, it's sometimes a bit overwhelming And what I've learned over the years is exactly what you just said a minute ago. Most people don't care about the bit in the middle. What they care about is, so I give you $100, and you're going to give me $110 back in 12 months' time. Is that right? (laughs) That's actually what they care about. And, And we say, yeah, but let me explain how I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, the eyes glaze over, and they're like... Yeah, and they're, they're feigning interest almost. They're sitting there going, yeah, no, 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 I get it, yeah. <laughs> but All they're, oh, they're still focused on is, so I'm gonna get that 110 back, yeah. yeah? So by simplifying stuff, okay, you're essentially going to attract an audience that might have been intimidated by the technology so far. Is that right?
0: It is true, but you also have to concern yourself with the user, right? It's not enough to just make it easier. Um, Because, basically, you have a choice to make as a developer. You can make sacrifices to get to that ease of use quicker. And we see that with some of the centralized services, right? It might be faster or quicker because, really, with uh, with like a Binance or Crypto.com wallet, your money is not held by the individual, right? It's held by Crypto.com or a custodial service that they're using. Mm -hmm. You're just recreating a banking system, essentially which is antithetical to what crypto is built around, right? Again, users don't care about that. They just care about the outcome. But as a developer, do you care? And we do, right? So we don't think that sacrificing um, security for convenience is is necessary. We made a lot of sacrifices as humans already with our privacy, with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, We gave it all away (laughs) for the convenience of connection. And we saw the outcome of that um, you know, especially during the last election and Brexit and all these things, where you know Cambridge Analytica came out and that was exposed, yeah. Um, or even you know earlier on when Snowden exposed that we were being you know tapped by by the government, things like that. So we shouldn't give up control of the last thing that we have control of, which is finance. Um, I think as a developer, you have a responsibility as a developer who does understand what this technology can do. You have a responsibility to build a service that protects the user and is easy at the same time. Don't just try to get to market as fast as possible. Because if we just turn around and recreate the same system with a different face, then we've, we've really gone nowhere. Mm. And to
1: me, that's, that's just not what I want to build. That's not progress, is it? So, how, how, far, how long is it taking you to develop this technology?
0: So we've been working on, I mean, the first thing we let, let loose was the blockchain and the, and the earnings mechanism, uh, which is called Mochi, um, which now has a patent pending. So we're very proud of that. Um, so you can stake. Staking is uh, just similar to mining in, in that you um, allocate a certain amount of resources, in this case coins, and in return for supporting the network, you get a reward, extra coins. You give me a hundred me
1: 100. great the, the staking thing i 'm glad you brought it up because uh, Alex, who works with me that 's here filming this right now, Alex started to tell me about staking some time ago, and i obviously thought, I obviously thought it was dinner so <laughs> we had we had and, and i couldn 't believe that you could stake your assets and you could gain ten percent a month, eight percent a month in some cases yeah and that that from a passive income point of view for, for investors that are going into the latter part of their lives, passive income starts to become really important. Absolutely, I think yeah. it's more important even for
0: young people now, especially in the United States. Most people I know work multiple jobs and live with roommates in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In in the richest country in the world, who's rich? Mm-hmm. It's not the people I know, yeah. right? It's not the it's not the people on the streets doing the work. You need. A secondary source of income. And if you have to spend all your time doing that, earning it, then all of your time is gone.
1: So, typically, you've you've got $100,000 in a bank account, you're gonna get no interest at all, so that's a waste of time, because inflation is destroying it. You've got your money in uh, an income-producing stock portfolio that you've got dividend income from, that's gonna pay you, I don't know, five or 6% a year, maybe, if you're lucky in dividend income, maybe 3%, a lot of dividends (laughs) pay, again, which is way below inflation. Alternatively, you take the $100,000, you put it into uh, whatever asset class, crypto asset class you want to and through mochi you can stake that holding and you can gain an income from that right and that income that if it was 10 percent or five percent a month, whatever crazy number it was, that that is five percent of the value of the holding as opposed to being five percent of the value of your, your investment as in what you invested
0: Yeah so I like to explain it more like it's a, it's a rate of return right so you're going to get for us I think right now it, it fluctuates mathematically, but let's just say it's 20 percent okay roughly. Um, you put in, you know, your, your hundred mm-hmm. and you're going to get 20% more coins by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Um, it's not an ROI. It's not even really an annual percentage yield. It's truly just you. no matter what the price of the coins are, you're getting 20% more of them. Full stop. Now if the coin fluctuates in value that impacts obviously the outcome at the end of the year and it could be positive or negative. I can't legally say. Is that monthly
1: or is that annually? That's uh, annually. Annually. So at the end of the year, I get 20% more coins, I can go and sell that and put uh, by USDT and then buy cash, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I can t- turn that into cash every year? You can turn it into cash every day. You can turn it into the, 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 the amount of coin that's being produced? Yep. Okay. So then that truly creates a passive income from, for me? Indeed. Okay. So the, the question then has to be, if we're going to go into this subject, um, are we gambling? To, oh, how are we investing? To the extent that you know, uh, these
0: assets are still volatile, yeah. But you look at the fundamentals of, of each coin that you invest in, right? Obviously Bitcoin has the strongest fundamentals of any coin out there. It's the longest running. It has a lot of institutional support. It's very unlikely to disappear. There's no central authority, so it can't really be shut down. There's a lot of node operators out there supporting the network. Okay, and then it kind of goes down from there. There's a lot of high risk assets, like meme coins and things like that, that might earn you a high yield if you're lucky or get in early enough. That's gambling, full stop gambling. Um, And let's
1: do this for the benefit of everyone listening. Let's just take a couple of examples of that. Would that be a Shibu Inno? Correct. So that's a meme coin, that's gambling. What about a Solana 14 months ago? Solana is
0: a, despite its you know, misgivings and, and sort of mishaps that have happened over the over the course of the past fourteen months, it has a strong fundamental basis. Why? There's a real technology mm-hmm. fueling that network. There's real applications built on
1: that network, there's real users, there's real people engaging with the service. Okay, so we're comparing that. Just wanna make sure that everyone understands the difference between a coin and a meme coin, yeah. okay? Because it's important, I think, for Absolutely. some people. Because they get wrapped up into the hype around so much around coins, but they don't know which is one and which is the other in many cases. Yes. How many coins are there at the moment? There's something like 25,000. 25,000 coins, yeah. okay, and where is 80% of the money invested? In which coins do you think? It's, you know, the, the top five. Really, it's the top
0: probably 300 okay. have a majority of the market cap. I think after that, the trickle down is, is so negligible that it's, it's not even worth tracking. Um, of course, it's the top 50 is gonna hold a, a lot of value because basically once you hit the top 50, you have large scale institutions investing, doing market making, it's, it's more operating like the traditional financial market in that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the top five are truly
1: blue chips and, uh, and uh, being used In in a variety of ways. So let's just make sure we're clear: Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Cardano, and Ripple. Right, top five. And probably I'd have to look, but
0: yeah, roughly something like that. I think USDT is actually one of the top five as well. USDT is one of the most utilized coins on earth. Wow. Because it's the intermediary between basically everything. Cash and coin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's representative of U.S. dollar. So if I'm if I want to risk off, where do I go? USDT. And of course, there's new stablecoins and different approaches to how stablecoins might work. Stablecoin is just, uh, you know, like I said, it's a representation of one fiat currency. USDT is supposedly backed by a reserve of assets, same with USDC. Whereas something like uh, DAI or UST, Tether, I'm sorry, Terra Luna's stablecoin, they're backed by an algorithm. Right, so they're like utilizing a different kind of mechanism that's more based on usage uh, in order to maintain their
1: peg. Okay, your platform is going to make my. I'm just going to summarize this. Your platform is going to make my life easier because you're dumbing down some of the more complicated stuff just to make it user friendly. Yeah. and bringing everything into into one place rather than me fanning around and thinking <laughs> I'm some form of crypto genius by having all kinds of different accounts. Yeah, I mean... Is that basically what we're dealing
0: with here? That's what you're dealing with. And a lot of our customers and, and users are actual grandmothers and grandfathers because it's so... not well, because they're my age. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs>
1: it's all right.
0: I get it. But you know what I mean. A lot of... Uh, I mean, even just using regular apps for someone who's not a native to technology can be daunting and can be difficult. So, you have to, we talk about mass adoption all the time, but it's really about like adaptation, mass adaptation, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You can't force somebody to learn something
1: new. No. You build it for them and my team will hear me say this quite a lot and they're sick of me saying it but as far as I'm concerned there's three things in this world that, if you sell these three things everybody wants them so if you right now had a a tablet that I could take a pill I could take that could help me lose 15 kilos in the next week it wouldn't (laughs) matter what it was if it was $20,000 I'll give you the money to take the tablet because everybody wants to lose weight fast overweight people want to lose weight fast so there's a clear market there people want significance everyone wants a million followers they get significance with a million followers if you can can give me that in a week then great and everybody wants to get rich quick because everybody wants a shortcut they don't want to they don't want to do it slowly they can go and listen to their grandfather for advice or their father for advice say you know building your wealth slowly and safely is the right thing to do you know buy your house pay your mortgage off all that kind of stuff People just, people just want to get rich quick. So if, you, if you're in a space where you can solve that problem for anybody, then you'll always have a market for it. And that's why I think crypto has, has become so popular. I was talking to Eric Anziani just a couple of days ago here on the podcast. He's the COO of Crypto.com. Yeah. They, they've been five and a half years in business. At the beginning of last year, they had 10 million accounts open. Mm-hmm. And they want by the end of this year, 100 million accounts open. I've never, I've never heard of a business ever in my life that has had that adoption rate of new accounts being opened. Right. That for me is just you know, just, just <laughs> insane. 800 employees to 4,500 employees. Yeah. Um, one and a half billion worth of trading volume every single day. I mean, it's, it's astonishing. And even conversations which I can't share on this show right now about potential banks they may be buying. Mm-hmm which just then just you know 150 year old banks that have been around forever they're established names that everyone kind of knows and trusts but i do i really do believe you've got you 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 sit in a place where you've got people that want to get involved but they want to understand what's going on okay but they want to do it simply because i also believe people open accounts either with their phone or on their laptop they open accounts and they can't get the account open quickly Mm -hmm. and so it's like Yeah. This is too much like hard work. (laughs) It's friction. Yeah, it's friction. That's right. And essentially what you're doing is you're trying to take away the friction from me. You're trying to make my my, my journey from a UX perspective as fun, engaging, as simple, and as profitable as possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
0: why do you need to do KYC before you even sign up for a service? I'm not giving you my information. I don't even know if I want to use this service. Why do I need to back up my wallet before I've even put money in it? Why do I need... Like, there's just these simple questions. It's the same reason that when you go to open a door, if there's a handle on the door, I'm aiming to pull it, but it's a push door, why? (laughs) Just, just, you know, it doesn't need to be there, right? And these are just simple things that developers, because this whole industry has been built by nerds like me, (laughs) uh, you know, we just don't think that way. But once you put it in the hands of 10 million people, you start to see what mistakes they make and you can make improvements upon that. Um, but again, going back to ensuring that there's still security and safety for those users and that it is decentralized and still distributed. Mm, good.
1: How many, how many clients have you got so far?
0: Mm. So mm. We, we opened the, the crypto wallet um, to the, the world in October. And we have 25,000 users. Um, Already? Yeah, grassroots. So we don't do any advertising just yet. Although we did just sign a pretty big
1: deal uh, with La Liga in uh, in November, let's talk about that for a minute here. Sure. Okay. You're from the states. You don't understand football. <laughs> you don't even call it football. We don't even call we it football. We call it soccer. We call it soccer. That's so, what it. Is. So, a business that's come out of the states. What? what what made you think of going down the path of dealing with arguably one of the best leagues, probably not the biggest, but one of the best leagues in the world? Yeah, I mean, they are the largest
0: by reach. They have the most fans watching all the time. Um, it's the Spanish league. It's not the premier league. league. It's not the so premier league. We to have a debate about it. Premier is the largest in terms of money, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> for sure. Um, but it's, it's actually interesting. They found that one out of every six La Liga viewers owns crypto. No. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that- Globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to increase that, obviously, that number. Um, and I think that a lot of, you ask anybody, they at least heard of Bitcoin at this point. But as we've talked about, there's this natural aversion to new things or things you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the La Liga partnership, we're able to activate in person, right? We're actually able to get on the ground with fans, show them like how you can buy a beer with Divi with the Divi wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just did a, a whole activation on a, on a yacht the other night and, just, and did just that. And we had all these influencers and all this press and all these people on the boat and they saw how it worked in person. They're like, oh, and a ton of people downloaded the wallet, of course, because now it's tangible and understandable and they see that it's not, oh, it's not that scary. you know. And I just actually got something for it, right? Um, so yeah, the La Legal Partnership is a three and a half year deal. Um, and right now we're just in the MENA
1: Southeast Asia and China regions um, but how do, so how does that kind of deal work? Because we, we obviously saw Crypto.com do the Staples Center recently and Formula One and UFC. So we see this kind of stuff. We've seen Binance on, on, on Formula One cars as well recently. I've even seen, I've even seen some, some, some crypto influencers on Formula Two cars yeah. recently. This guy Moon Carl and uh, Crypto oh Jack and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. so they, they've got their faces planted yeah, on the side of the cars. You, you've seen them, yeah? Yeah. So first of all, how does a business like yours go about forming a relationship with something as trusted, long-standing, and, and credible as La Liga. It was... But don't, don't tell me it was a chance conversation in a bar. <laughs> Give me some strategy behind it.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, it is a little bit of a, of a kismet situation. Uh-huh. We were at a conference in October, the World Blockchain Summit here, actually, in Dubai. Uh-huh. And we were approached by uh, one of the partnership directors for this region. Um, and he said, hey, we're looking for a crypto wallet. We're looking for one that has a coin attached to it. We want to enter crypto. They already had some NFT sponsorships uh, and partnerships, but they had no true crypto play. And they knew that there was a high demand for it within their ecosystem, within their fanverse. Um, so we had breakfast with them and we just told them a little bit similar to the conversation we're having right here mm-hmm. about what we do. And I left that conversation and I turned to my CMO and I said, there's no way this is ever going to happen. You know, it's going to be crypto.com or FTX or one of the big ones. And, uh, and she said, no, let's try, you know, let's, let's look at like what this actually could mean for us. And it's billions of people, you know, that have eyes on, on the product. Um, and it's beyond that, right? It's like these activations and things that we can do to engage with fans. Um, so we pushed for it. We made, a, we made the best possible pitch that we could. Uh, I say we, but it's really they, the, the marketing team, that um, did, did everything, and, and they closed it. And, you know, in November I got to fly to, to Spain and, and sign the docs, and we saw a couple matches. But, yeah, it's, um, it's surreal because it does validate. Sports fans have an affinity for the team, and in La Liga's case, the league that they watch. I think it's the same with Premier League, right? They're attached to this league. If you can share that affinity with a brand, it's incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. beyond what you can do with advertising just like on TV or Facebook or whatever. Um, And it does add a sense of validation and trust around that brand. Um, That I believe is the strategy that most of these enterprises are taking. With you know buying a sports arena or sponsoring big uh, you know F1 races and things you, like
1: that. You, you're in a competitive space already, aren't you? It's only been going for a while, but it's, it's competitive, yeah. and so you know sometimes the first one there or, or the one that can form the best relationship will win. But when you think about it, um, you know if you compare your name at the moment compared to some of those big boys, you're not there. <laughs> but you've made a big boy ballsy move yeah. to go with a Liga. I mean. You didn't. You didn't sponsor the. What'd you call it, George Foreman Grill? Did you? (laughs) No, we did not. It was. uh, I mean, for a a, a young business in your space, compared to the the monsters that you'll compete with, you've just gone and landed something really special, yeah. Yeah, something that they're jealous of. Many of them. I can imagine. (laughs)
0: Um, And it is a remarkable feat, you know, for for the team, and it's something that. It is, you, ha, you have to do the big thing, right? Business is gonna move on whether you're part of it or not. This market moves faster than any other market in the world probably. And, uh, and the competition gets really, really intense. Every single day it gets more intense. Mm-hmm. So you either roll your dice um,
1: or, or the market's gonna roll you out. Okay, let's talk about how you make money. Sure. Okay, I think it's important that the, the, the consumer the client knows actually how money's being made, because it's a, it's a bit smoke and mirrors in the crypto world. You know, we know in the fund space, the equity space, we know what the fees are, okay? It's nice and clear, it's a, a percentage of something, okay, or it's a fixed fee, a transaction fee that goes on, and so people are clear. But when it comes to crypto, there aren't the spreads involved, you know? When you're buying and selling Forex, that kind of stuff, there's clear spreads that are there. How do you make money? We have a
0: variety of revenue streams, several different revenue streams. Um, we're a software developer, for, first and foremost. So we have several software as a service products, one of which being Mochi, you know, our staking service. Um, also, fiat on-ramp and off-ramp trading, things like that, all generate fees, um, and those help the bottom line to some extent. But what we really make money from is integrating our system with other enterprises. Um, every single business in the world will have some element of crypto integrated with it at some point. This is becoming more and more clear. It's just the same as every business eventually had a website and eventually had a social media and eventually an app. And you know, why why do these things happen? Demand, customer demand, right? That's where the people are and that's what they want to see. They want to pay in crypto. Even Peter Schiff has it on his website, right? He understands that there's demand for it. So he provides that opportunity for his, his clients and his customers. Uh, the same thing is going to happen to all enterprise for us being with la liga has definitely opened a lot of doors to those enterprises um and many of these exchanges and other like high-tier businesses in crypto their primary revenue stream is not the clients the retail customers it's the business clients mm-hmm. and uh and we have a similar approach
1: okay well hold on a minute. i just I left, I left a meeting a couple of hours ago to come here with probably the most successful real estate broker in this town all right Lovely guy. I won't mention his name. But he has lots of clients wanting to buy property with crypto. Mm-hmm. All right? And the real estate developers won't take it. <laughs> you know, they don't take it. So they send him the coin, and he cashes it and writes the checks for the clients. Sure. And say, so it's, it's the only way I can do it, is, is what he says. So if you take your perfect or an ideal client of yours, you know, we have the biggest property developer here is EMA in Dubai and Abu Dhabi it's Aldar. Um, for you to work with Aldar or Emar and allow people to be able to buy their real estate through your structure, that's, that's the partnership that's valuable for you? Yeah, those types of things
0: are one of many things that we can Give do. Give me
1: another example, I don't, want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, again, we're software developers, and there's more than just payments when it comes to crypto. Okay. So. It's not just about getting cash to and from. That's like probably the most obvious use case. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are enterprises that want to integrate NFTs. But in reality, you know, NFTs have a lot of a lot of real world use cases, um, just like crypto does. Mm-hmm. And I think that more and more businesses will get creative with uh, integrating, and we're there to facilitate that system's integration, even guide them along that
1: path. So Divi's going to include the NFT opportunities for everybody as well. So it's not going to be separated. It's all within one place. Absolutely. So Axie Infinity, 600 million, million was hacked. Six days ago, and no one
0: noticed. How does no one from your team,
1: <laughs> like is no one just watching? What are you sleeping? It's... it's so you so you you heard the news yesterday? I heard the news yesterday. Um, what, actually So what does someone in your position what do you think when you hear that news? Do you think bozos over there or do you think holy cow that's that's like scary shit? It's it's like
0: it's appalling, right? It's as a developer, I know that there are ways of avoiding these things. Auditing these things, ensuring that you're changing your op- operational security <clears throat> enough, um, and often enough to, to ensure that you know, your users are safe, your funds are safe, and things like that. Um, utilizing the structures that exist in crypto, like multi-signature and things like that to, um, to ensure that, that funds remain where they're supposed to be. Um, but I mean, this is, you know what really happens when I see this stuff? DJ Khaled's meme pops up in my head and just goes, another one because it's like every week with this thing. And um, and it, it's because there's this like mentality of like, we have to rush to market as fast as humanly possible and get this product out, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll replace the wheel while the truck is moving and it'll be fine, but it's not. It's like, we have to stop this rush to market mentality. You have to do it right, even if it takes a little longer and ensure that, you know, your OPSEC is strong and that you have a team looking after Hundreds of millions of dollars in a smart contract that is, you know, a relatively nascent technology. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's sad that to say. kind of stuff happening is only going to fuel um, further cynicism or reticence because people, you know, you get a bank robbery and my money's in the bank; it's insured. Right. You know, a bank goes out of business. You know, FDIC. You've got st- structures in the states. We have it in the UK as well. If a bank goes out of business, I- I'm safe. Yep. But if the crypto account's hacked...
0: Yeah, I mean, but this is the, this is the ultimate issue, right? With, with, these, with these bridges and these smart contracts, while they are reliant on decentralized technology, a smart contract is just a new type of custody, right? So when you, when you lend your money to a bank, because there's no such thing as a deposit mm-hmm. into a bank, you're lending your money at negative interest to the bank. <laughs> when you do that, they ho- are holding your money, but at least they, you know, supposedly guarantee it up to a certain amount if it gets lost Um, with with these smart contracts there are ways of insuring it and things like that within the space it's not it doesn't work the same way but ultimately you're doing something very similar you're actually relinquishing access to your funds Um, so this is a this is a problem that i think a lot of people in web 3 don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. but i mean the Axie infinity hack wasn't the only one i think there was ronin Ronan also lost $175 million like today or yesterday. Um, but again, it's just like it, it's happening all the time because of third party custody risk. The only real solution to these issues is either institutional grade custody or self custody. Um, and once smart contracts become smarter um, or insurable, then you know, maybe we, we can go back
1: to that. Yeah, you because know, if something happened, I mean, La Liga put their name to your business and you've put your name to their business that's really interesting when you think about a brand as big and powerful and trusted and respected as La Liga, then something shit happening. (laughs) But seriously though, what what that could actually mean? Because a big brand associated with something that could go wrong only only reflects badly on, on them. Right. So how can you make sure that with what you do there is the right amount of security so that I'm never going to have to have that, you know, I've heard a bloke in a taxi tell me about 600 million going missing. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, now I know. I'm hot under the collar and I'm a little bit worried. What, what, what are you guys doing differently A better? Divi Wallet is
0: fully self-custodial, right? Or some would say non-custodial. The user at all times is the only person who has ownership and retention of their private keys, their seed phrase, which is the backup key basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know even really who the users are necessarily. Um, we might know like the, where they come from and things like that, but they are always in full control of their funds. The only way you could steal their money is finding them and holding a gun to their head, I guess. So That's um, why you both get most people's money. Yeah, <laughs> if you right, money, exactly. you're going to get it anyway. You can yeah. get your wallet right <laughs> as well. So you're at your actual physical wallet. So um, of course we run third-party security audits quarterly, and we do all those things. Any of the fiat features, any of the centralized features that we use, mm-hmm. um, are leveraging institutional-grade custody. Um, you know, financial institutions with a long track record, mm-hmm. trust institutions that are insured. Um, so, we leverage centralized services when necessary, but once the, the crypto is back in your wallet, like if you, for example, use our fiat on-ramp, it goes through a service called Prime Trust. Um, they take custody of your actual fiat, and they provide you with the USDT, let's say for this example. The USDT comes to your wallet, and then it's re-secured by your own private key. It's back in your hands. <laughs> um, would I put ten million dollars on a non-custodial wallet? Maybe if I had a billion dollars, but yeah. <laughs> it's all relative. Clearly, you don't write this down. You will, right? But you know, it's all relative to your risk tolerance. That's why you know there's cold storage, which is uh, you know ledger or treasure device, mm-hmm. which keeps your keys or that private key mm-hmm. offline, mm-hmm. Um, and that's why there's also custodial services. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that these things can't coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to make sure that, at least with our product, which is non-custodial, it is uh, as secure as possible. And, and to me, self-custody is the most secure way of, okay. of holding Okay. So go. if I open up my account
1: with you, I'm going
0: to be safe, yeah?
1: Indeed. Okay. You're saying this on camera. and am saying audio. it <laughs> confidently. <laughs> yes. Okay. A couple of other questions before we finish. When you look at NFTs, what do you think what do you think of the industries that are going to benefit most in in the near term from the nft space because i find this fascinating
0: we've seen a great amount of benefit to artists and brand creators and things like that already yeah, yeah. Um, seen that already, yeah. and that's yeah. great you know it's uh it's eliminating the middleman in, in terms of monetizing your creations mm-hmm. which is great i think music musicians will also ultimately benefit a lot from that mm-hmm. you know um but i also think that uh any like La Liga or uh, any sporting event will, will ultimately benefit. I think there's a huge amount of fraud with, uh, with
1: ticketing. Well, let's just take that for a minute here. So, how long do you think it would take? I mean, La Liga includes, I don't know how many teams are in La Liga, but there's a whole bunch of them. Let's say that. How there's many, two divisions, even. So, yeah. we've got two divisions the league. Let's say there's 30 teams of whatever it is, 30 odd teams. But, for it to happen, it has to happen across the whole ticketing system. So the whole ticketing system needs to become an NFT. Well, I would say the person
0: needs to become the
1: NFT, right?
0: The actual individual would be the the, the ticket, right? So you
1: are... The owner. Right. The actual individual. Not the owner of the ticket, but the person themselves. Yeah. Can't, can't want to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the the problem with tickets
0: is that they are incredibly easy to counterfeit. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, they're incredibly fungible. I can trade them for just about anything, including cash. Um, And I can just hand, like let's say I have a season pass, Mm -hmm. right? I can hand it to my sister, she can pretend she's me, Mm -hmm. and she gets into the stadium. There's no benefit to La Liga, there's no benefit to Real Madrid, if that's who I'm going to see. Um, You've essentially scalped the ticket in your own way, right? So by connecting a non-fungible token to an individual, only I can get into the stadium. It could be attached to your name or a special code if you don't want to give up privacy or whatever um, that only you retain. Um, same thing could be done with healthcare if if those laws were ever uh, you know modified. You know you just you have your uh, at least in the United States we have an insurance card. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we have it here. Yeah, it does nothing.
0: It's like a piece of plastic with a number on it. There's so much administrative burden when you go to the doctor. You know, the doctor has to like put all this stuff in, and it goes to the insurance company, and they decide, you know, two months later to pay the doctor out or whatever. Why? Why is there all this weird verification friction when I could just like scan this thing that only I hold and is attached to my identity or whatever?
1: And but that won't be a card or a booklet or anything. That's going to, have to be what something in there.
0: No, it could be a card. It could be. I mean, I guess we could
1: embed. It into well, that's our what are talking but, about? With healthcare, they're talking about that. Though. Yeah, they're talking about stuff that scares going Insurance companies saying, you know, if you haven't got it in there, that's like some because, black mirror. <laughs> you know, well, they, well, they want to monitor. They want to monitor your health. Yeah, because insurance companies are taking the risk on your claims. So so. they've already taken that step with
0: the, the Apple Watch. That they yeah. can tell you when you're sleeping and if you snored and all this stuff. You know, <laughs>
1: does it tell you if you snored? It tells you if you snored.
0: <laughs> so okay,
1: I didn't know about that. You
0: know, these things are are precursors to, you know, what may one day become. But in the short term, a more tangible example is just, you know, having a a season or some sort of pass to an event that you want to go to, whether it's concert or sporting event or whatever. This can be easily resolved uh, with NFTs, and I think that that's probably the most obvious like next step toward toward the adoption of of NFTs, Hmm. in the real world at least.
1: Are you enjoying this conversation? I am. I, yeah. I, are you? Yeah, I'm in a great <laughs> time. Yeah. Are you worried? I <laughs> was, was a little worried. I just want to make sure that you're having fun for this, because you, you're explaining stuff really well, and I think my audience listening right now, we, we all want to, just like you talk about, with the, you know, nobody needs to know the middle stuff. They want to know the beginning and the end. A lot of people here want to want to understand it in a way that's palatable for them, and you're doing that really well. So, Thanks. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, right. if. I wanted to go and get my Divi set up right now. What's the process?
0: Just uh, go to the App Store, mm-hmm.
1: Divi Wallet, download it. You can also go to DiviWallet.com, it's right there. So I can get it on my phone, I can go to the App Store, Divi Wallet, yeah? Yep. If I'm in Spain, is it all in Spanish? Uh, you can turn it to Spanish, yep. Okay, so, okay, let's do this. We'll have, uh, we'll have Arabic as well, very soon. Um, uh, right, here we go. Um, Divi Store, yeah? Uh, Divi- Divi wallet. Divi wallet. Here we go. This one. That's us. All right. Divi. Why? Where's Divi come from?
0: Um. You know, it was. Uh, it was the name when I joined. Uh. The company. So I joined like very yeah, very you early. You found but, it, did you? But Divi, at least in the United States, means to like divide equally. Um. You know, to like divvy it up. Divvy it up, Yeah. And because our primary focus initially was staking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it acts similarly to a dividend, I guess. It's more of like a high interest bearing or a high interest yield account. Um, You know, Divi was the name. Makes sense. How many steps are there from a friction point of view? Um, I don't remember exactly, like maybe five. Five. Yeah. Nice and simple. If you if you set up your name and like phone number and stuff, yeah. I think that's an extra step. So maybe. And do, do
1: I have to like with all the other ones stand naked with my passport in front of me no. and none of that? None of that. Selfies from inside my ear. Not to onboard. Yeah, to No. Not no. N- that. If you just want to check it out, no nudes. No. Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> Can <you> imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> no. What we need for you to do, it's like there's, there's one where you have to take a photo and you have got your passport in front of you and all this yeah. kind of stuff. I'll find yeah. Out. There's no KYC. So if I open it up on here, it will. Go, I haven't got to go through a whole new process to open it up on my, on my laptop either. It's just mobile right now. It's just mobile. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Okay, create a new wallet, here we go. All right, we'll film this afterwards and I'll get this open. So for all of you that, that are watching right now, I'll, I'll, make an, I'll make an extra video showing you how to open an account with Divi. And, and, and I'll, be, I'll be, at the end of the day, I'll be the person that will be able to verify whether they're good or not. He's saying they're good, but <laughs> anyone that's coming on our show talking about their product, their service, their background, they're not going to sit down and say, my product's crap. Okay, <laughs> have a go. You know, They're all going to say it's good. So it's important to bear that in mind. So let's let's on behalf of you guys let's be witness to that ourselves and we'll get it done visa
0: yeah we'll eventually have you have a visa debit card that goes with it it'll come soon
1: yeah 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 will it be a sexy one yeah we're gonna do like the metal ones and all that cool stuff <laughs> it's funny what young people like isn't <laughs> i know they? all right good excellent stuff i'll get that open cool What has been the most challenging part of your journey over the course of the last few years? Genuinely talk to me, like, let's get this corporate stuff out of the way and and the business. And uh, tell me where the real challenges have been for you emotionally, psychologically and professionally. Yeah, this uh,
0: has been a journey. You know, we started it in 2017 at the height of the ICO boom and the bull run. Uh, And of course, almost immediately had to live through crypto winter. We didn't raise a lot of money in our ICO, at least comparatively uh, to the other ICOs. How much you raise? 2.5 million. That's not a lot. No, it is not. Uh, especially to compete with some organizations that wrote, raised you know, 40 or 100 or 200 million, right? Um, so we had to be scrappy. We had to be agile um, and resourceful. And so one of the first development teams that we worked with, they didn't do a very good job, let's say. So they, they kind of kept things in a silo, which, yeah. which bothered me. But I wasn't the, the CTO at the time. Um, so I kind of was just going about the direction that, that I was told, building the websites and doing some tasks and things like that um, outside of the, the primary development of the, of the core blockchain and, and that first app that we put out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But this was supposed to be a trusted team. And, CTO had worked with them before and things like that and um, they ensured us that, that everything was good to go it was beta tested this and that so we booked all this press and media in New York and I flew there and like the night that it launched zero things worked complete trash as bad as it could be so yeah it was it was horrendous I still went on all those shows because we had already paid all this money to our oh, PR person really? like that. yeah it was it was really embarrassing um, and I was like, not even. I'm not. This, I wasn't the CEO at the time. I'm just like a figurehead, I guess. Whatever. Um, so you know, we had to go back to the drawing board with a lot less money. Uh-huh. And uh, in six weeks, we turned around and, and we took everything in house and then rebuilt everything and launched it. It was fine. It was great. Um, the community was happy. Um, we also had to do KYC at one point. Uh, for our ICO investors, that was a lot of fud. That was that was bad. <laughs> Did you ever think about giving up? Many times. Really? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's really challenging to wake up in the morning and see, you know, all these messages from people who are super angry at you and mm-hmm. threatening you and things like that and um, doubting you. You know, even still now, after five years of doing this, you know, we're coming up on a new release right now with a lot of new features. And you see the Twitter comments like, oh, you guys suck. Like, you, you know, it's, it's not going to come out. It's going to be late. It's, you know, the price isn't going up. La Liga didn't do enough. Like, everything. You're just hearing it from all angles. And you have to like tune this out and try to run a business. Because there's never been a business in history where the community who is using your product has such direct access mm-hmm. and has such a direct, you have such a direct impact on them like my actions somehow change the price mm-hmm. of the coin, I've no, no impact on that. There's like tens and tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. owning this coin and trading it and doing things every day. I sometimes don't even have time to look at the charts, but it, the buck stops back at you. Um, those moments are, can be difficult.
1: That's the shit bit about being a CEO, but also when you, when you think about business, no one's ever gonna bring you good news. No. You know? That's Every, like, all the complaints I'm, come to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the buck stops with you. Exactly. And so, so it, it, can be, it can be tough. I can imagine it can be lonely. Sometimes. Okay. Being Isolated. What did your mom and dad think about what you were doing in 2017? Did they get behind you or did they go, <laughs> what, are you nuts? Um, my mom was a lot more supportive.
0: My dad did ultimately support us uh, with a little bit. Um, you know, they both got into the early days of investing in Divi. Um, just because, you know, you gotta support your son, I guess. Um, but my dad was incredibly skeptical.
1: What's your dad's background?
0: He's a doctor. He's a radiologist. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's conservative in a lot of ways. You know, he thinks, you know, you just go to school and you, you work your days. And, and he's done really well for himself. So obviously that trajectory can work. Um, but I just, I took a different path in life and he was incredibly skeptical. And I always had this dream that I would roll up to his house in a luxury car. Hop out and be like, yeah, come outside, and and he would, you know, all those things would wash away, and I eventually got to do that, and <laughs> and uh, and ever since then he supported the project, but um, you know, it was more than just a car; it was like, it was a statement, you know, that we had gotten past a lot of the challenges. We'd established a business that does make money and lives on its own revenue, and and is real, and it's not just like a, you know, oh, it's another business. You know, I had a lot of failed businesses mm-hmm. before uh, before Divi. And um, it's easy for your family to just be like, oh, here we go go again. You know, he's trying Mm -hmm. something new.
1: It's interesting that you say that. I think a lot of the the hype around the whole crypto space has made everybody think everyone's making a fortune. And it can't be that difficult to do X, Y, or Z, including setting up a business like Divi. But when you remove the business and, and the industry and think about the person that's behind it, there's a lot of pain and anguish and a lot of heartache that people have to go through. And, you know, I'm 52 years old, I own a number of different businesses, and I can tell you for sure it's lonely as heck at the top. Okay, It's not only lonely because you have to make all the decisions. When you do have success, okay, people hate you for it okay? <laughs> rather than champion you for it because you're having the success that they could have had themselves, but they weren't. Uh, keen hungry thirsty or desired enough to have that success and so looking at you being successful creates the green-eyed monster in them
0: it it can yeah and I think that while there is a lot of while there's a lot of uh, anguish and, and pain and stuff like that there's almost more
1: if not just as much like joy and and but that's that's a lot to do with the company you keep yeah. 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 It's like you see, see communities of people that are all investing in, I don't know, Bitcoin, for example, and they're all supporting each other. You know, when They make a bad decision. They make it together. They make a good decision. They make it together. They're all like-minded people. Yeah. And I think that in our world, we need to keep the right people around us and be really brave and bold to step away from the people in our lives that, that aren't going to get behind us.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's like it's one cool. of the hardest things to, it's one of the hardest things to learn. And then it's one of the hardest things to actually act upon. Mm-hmm. It's easy to understand advice or give it.
1: There's a, there's a guy here that lives in Dubai called Lewis Alsop, and he owns the biggest real estate brokerage here. Nice. Now I've known Lewis since he first arrived here 17 years ago with nothing, like not a penny. And he's incredibly successful now. He's still a, you know the company clown, a goon and all that kind of stuff. And he posted on LinkedIn the other day, um, ROI isn't always about money. Yeah. Some, sometimes it's about memories. And he said, I bought myself a boat and he bought himself a yacht and there's a picture with him and his two daughters on the yacht and his wife and he said sometimes you know you have to measure ROI in memories yeah and it's a beautiful post you know humble not bragging not going I've got a yacht spraying champagne (laughs) no fuck you you know yeah and the abuse that he got oh yeah was incredible you can't win no he's got the thickest skin of anyone I know know? (laughs) for him he's like bring it bring it you know and he'll go back to them but is that pe- people don't want people to be successful. So that's find the right community, find the right people that support your success, that get behind you. And when you have those bad days, they've been there too. When you've had those bad days, they're like, come, let's go for a beer and let's put it behind us. Or let's go shoot some hoops or whatever it might exactly. be. You've, you've done so well considering where you started and moved up the ladder into the, in the company. Now you're running it. You've created something that's really valuable and you should be really, really proud of yourself at a young age to have got this far. Thank you. I am proud,
0: uh, and I'm proud of the, of the team uh, that, that we've built. Something like uh, what you just said, you know, bringing the right people around us has taken a long time, especially in this space. There's a lot of like, shady it's, people, it's, I yeah, guess. you're right,
1: but it's not only shady people. You've got a lot of people in. There's a lot of demand for people. Absolutely. So, it's hard you know, to find good people. I remember social media a few years ago. Social media agencies popped up, Okay, and you go and see them, this is what I need you to do. I need you to create a podcast, I need you to do this many posts, I need you to gen- grow this audience and do this. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. We need to grow my Twitter. Yeah, we can do that. How much is it going to cost? It's $10,000 a month. Right, no problem at all. There's a $10,000. Three months later, can't do jack shit. Right. Okay. I went through six agencies. Mm. And that's because I saw it as almost like the social media agencies as the modern-day gold rush. Mm-hmm. It was almost like they'd replaced the second-hand car salespeople or double glazing salespeople as the new baddies in the world. Yeah. That The problem you'll always get when you're moving into these new spaces is that people, people will say there's opportunity here. I've got coding skills. Maybe they're not applicable over here, but I've got coding yeah, skills. Yeah, can figure and, it out. What, they're, they're, they're offering to double my salary? I'm fine. You know, I can do it. <laughs> and then you find out there's people that just aren't as good as uh, you would hope they were. I'm sure you've experienced that. Absolutely. Yeah, you have, uh, you know, just
0: previously unrealized recruiting errors. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely put. That's what we say. Um, yeah, it is, it is hard to find the right people, especially in a, in a nascent space. You have a ton of people um, vying for positions, but very few that can actually do the job. And we've been really lucky. Like our lead blockchain developer came from Lockheed Martin, right? You're building missile systems. It's as important to keep a missile from misfiring as anything I can think of. Like, <laughs> you build a missile system incorrectly, people literally die right? Um, and he, he works on our blockchain, and he's cleaned up so much stuff, and he's so brilliant. Um, you know, we're really lucky to have him. And, you know, um, our, our executive team is also incredibly bright. And, you know, obviously, our CMO was at the forefront of bringing the La Liga partnership mm-hmm. to, the, to the forefront. Our CFO has helped us uh, in, a, in a number of ways. As you can imagine, building a business around a volatile asset and holding other volatile assets on your balance sheet and doing all these crazy movements is... A nightmare Um, so you know finding the right people but also finding people that want the same thing you know and and finding uh, I think I think there are a lot of people that get the green eye monster but I think other successful people don't I think other successful people are really stoked when you're when you're doing well and
1: uh, do you know why because I want they want to be around they want you as part of their community because if you're doing well you're working hard you're you're doing something good that's why I love Dubai because I feel like everyone I meet
0: is crushing it, and I want like I'm not crushing it as hard as them, and
1: I need to, you know. It's inspirational. We came here. We came here to make a future for ourselves. We came here to build businesses and be successful. And I think everyone's on the same page here. So you're bang on the money. Yeah. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Congratulations on your business success so far. Uh, I'll be getting this wallet open, okay? I'll chuck some money into it and I'll, I'll be a customer, okay? <laughs> and, um, and what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll get your details from the team and I'll follow up and I'll give you some feedback as to what my experience has been, if that's of any value to you. Would love that. And let me know what your username is. I'll shoot you some Divi. Okay, you don't have yeah. my password though, yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Saperano, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure well hopefully you have gained as much from this podcast as i have first of all learning about crypto again in a much simpler easy to understand fashion also understanding our competitors some of those big boys the the binance the Coinbases, the crypto.coms people that are out there looking at how to make things simpler and that's exactly what the divi wallet has done If you're listening to this on iTunes, then do what I say. Otherwise, I'll give you a right-hander. Give us a five-star rating. I'd really appreciate it. If you're listening to this on any other podcasting app, then do me a favor. Leave me some love. I keep saying it week in, week out. Leave me some engagement. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. I want to make this podcast as good for you as it possibly can be. But whatever you do, please interact. Because my job is to serve you, and I want to do it to the best of my abilities. I'll see you on the next episode.